All right, we are live. We are live. Sorry for those um, that were on the last stream. I had to create a new one. We were having some technical difficulties. So before we do introductions and let you guys know who my esteemed guest is today, we'll let you guys go ahead and get in here. Um, yeah, so we have zero people watching right now, T, um, but I'm sure people are going to start to come in here shortly. Okay. Um, let's see, maybe I can put a, uh, a thingy mabob here, some kind of avatar. See, I don't have the, um, pro version of this, so I can only do but so much. We got two people in the in the building. Um, so we're going to let more, a little bit, a few more people, we'll give people another minute or two to go ahead and get in this stream. Thank you so much for coming along. We will be answering questions here tonight as well, but I will also be asking my esteemed guest some questions as well. Um, so if you guys can go ahead and you can guys can go ahead and start asking your questions in the chat. We'll get to those here in a few minutes after we do introductions. So if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. We will get to them. Let's see what this does. All right, apparently just added some kind of banner across the screen. Um, all right, guys. So yeah, if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. We've got two people in the building right now. So I guess I can go ahead and get the housekeeping items out of the way first. So um, we're still going to have another chat in a few weeks. I did have someone lined up here uh, to speak with us tonight, uh, but she had to reschedule. She had what's called database lock. And so if you guys don't know what that is, go look at my video on that. Uh, I just released it, uh, I think, within the past couple of weeks. So that's a good opportunity to learn about that. Um, yeah, so we still have resume interview program, interview prep, career consultation. So if you're interested in any of those uh, programs, you can go ahead and email me at eliteclinicalgroup at gmail.com. For those of you who have questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest here in about 15 seconds or so. Um, actually, T, I'm going to let you do a little bit of the introduction, but I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a nice little layup here. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so far we got two people in the chat. Uh, go ahead and ask any questions you may have. Sorry for the delay guys. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, uh, but we're here now. So I've got a very, very special guest with us tonight, a personal friend of mine, but also, uh, very experienced in the industry. Um, and yeah, so T, if you want to go ahead and give a little intro about yourself, I think people would really get a lot of value. Uh, if you say how you kind of leveled up in this industry and you feel free to say company names, feel free not to say company names, it's up to you. So uh, the floor is yours. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm T. Um, like my brother from ECRG, um, just stated we have been um, friends since college. That's where we first met. Um, and oddly enough, I don't think we either 
one of us were looking for the clinical research industry while we were in college. It kind of just popped up on this. Um, as we got to our senior year, we kind of learned about it. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, I had friends who were in the industry and I was like, what is your job function? They kind of explained it to me. I thought it was interesting, um, but never really knew about it. Um, and I went to NC State for college and we didn't have a clinical research program at our university. So um, just talking to people um, and learning about it that way um, is kind of how I got into the room. Um, but a lot of people always ask, how did I get into the job? And I majored in biochemistry in college. I was on the med school track initially um but like a lot of people um lost that passion and fight for that um and then decided to just get a standard job and i was working actually for the sponsor that i currently work for now um in the research lab so i was doing scientific research um doing routine testing uh, throughout the facility and on some of the products that the sponsor was creating um I didn't like it that much, to be honest with you. Um, I did it for about a year and a half, didn't see any growth, um, and I didn't want to go into management. So I had to pivot, and one of my other friends from college was a clinical research associate at the time. The lifestyle looked so glamorous, got to travel, create your own schedule, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And so what I actually did was I left my um, role at the sponsor, went to a CRO, um, because I needed to get um, some research um, experience. And I was in the manufacturing division at the sponsor, so I needed to pivot. And I didn't want to um, take that chance of waiting and um, trying to figure that out at my current um, job. And so I left for a CRO, and I became a clinical trial assistant. I did that for about a year and a half. Um, I tried to get into programs. They had what you call like a bridge program, transferring from a CTA to a CRA. Um, applied for two rounds of that. Um, and finally, um, I actually got the job I am in now um, just by emailing everybody on LinkedIn. Literally, I would email senior CRAs, um, managers, recruiters, uh, and found out about a another program at the sponsor that I used to work at um, and luckily got in um, and probably using the connects that I had previously didn't hurt um, get into that job function. And so now I've been in the clinical research role for about two and a half years. Um, in various indications, I started off in oncology and now I'm doing more pediatric vaccines, um, women's health with endometriosis um, and contraceptive studies. Um, and I did a little bit of cardiology as well. So that's a little bit of my background. Wow. You've been killing it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know you, uh, had all those indications just in the past two and a half years. Um, but that's very interesting. So I want to, I want to go back a little bit. And for those that have been a fan of the channel for a while, T has actually come on for an interview. I think we did that interview probably like it's been about two years, at least 20, <laughs> it might've been 2019. 2019, I think, because I was still living at the other place. So it must have been 2019 or 2018. Because um, I think you were still living in the triangle as well. Correct. Um, okay. So let's go back a little bit. 
Um, what was it like working as a CTA? Because that's one of the most common jobs in the industry, especially for people to get their start. So what was that like? I think the CTA position gets a bad rap because it's not the glamorous CRA job, but actually I think it's very needed for you to get like the bare bones of what clinical research is. And that's reviewing ICFs, which is like one of the most important documents, the 1572. And essentially in that role, I was kind of the liaison um, and startup and close out getting those necessary startup documents completed, working with the sites. And that kind of helps you um, with your communication, uh, which is a vital uh, part of any job function in the clinical research um, realm. Um, and so seeing those documents, um, actually reviewing ICS, learning the, the language, the lingo, um, I think was probably the biggest help in part in building that foundation for um, my career in clinical research. But um, I would say if you are into that position, what I did um, was shadow CRAs, ask your manager, can you work with any of the in-house CRAs? Can you shadow uh, with clinical research associates um, on their site visits and just put yourself out there um, because you can easily sit there for two to three years in the same position and work up to be a senior clinical trial assistant. But I just had more ambition. And I went there for a purpose. My only purpose was to go there to get my foot in the door and to build off of that because I knew I wanted to be a clinical research associate. But um, I will say I did enjoy the CTA role um, while I was in it um, just because it was a, a new a new life and it kind of gave me that initial, um, I guess, way into the clinical research field. Right. Okay. Um, so anybody that has questions about CTA, CRA, anything, drop your questions in the chat. Um, and we'll definitely answer them and give our take on it. So we had two people in live right now. Um, we had three, I don't know where that person went, uh, but hopefully they'll be back. So yeah, guys, if you got any questions, drop them in the chat. And another thing too that um, you have to kind of watch out for when you're applying for these positions is to actually read the job function because a lot of them have the same titles, but they don't do the same thing. And you want to have that CTA position. If your goal is to become a CRA, is to have something that encompasses that. So like more towards you doing in-house CRA work um, versus just documents and um, sending emails and kind of just standard busy work. You want to be able to build off of what you're doing each day. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this. If someone is a CTA, but doesn't want to be a CRA, what other options do they have? Um, you can definitely go into um, startup. A lot of people become startup specialists um, if they are really, really good at their job and they're proficient in getting um, site startup right now, every company is metric driven. And so they want to see how fast can we get from validation, which is um, initially finding the sites and seeing if they're qualified to participate in the study. If they become selected, how fast can we get from that point to they're actually good to start initiating and conducting clinical trials. And if you're very proficient and getting those documents in, working with sites, having great communication, um, you will be elite 
in that um, that field and you essentially will become a specialist. And that's one of the roles that you can do um, if you don't want to travel. There are like in-house CRAs, which essentially do everything but go to the site and monitor um, and inspect drug um, and that thing. That's pretty much the only thing you can't do as a, a in-house CRA. And you can also go into regulatory too, which works more with the IRB um, and getting those documents approved. Boy, so you said in-house CRA, study, site study startup, and what else? Or is uh, that- a reg- like a regulatory coordinator, regulatory. which is more um, gears towards like the IRB approval process. Okay. So do you need do you need to have experience first to be a regulatory coordinator as a CTA, or is that something you can do straight up in your experience? Um, you can probably do it straight up, just depending on what your, your background is. Um, just being organized um and just being proficient and i feel like if you can um stress that in like the interview i feel like you can get away with doing that i don't think you need um cta experience prior to that it's just it's essentially the same thing but you just have different goals um and you're working with the irb versus working more with the sites directly right you can always go into management too um, if that's your goal, if you want to manage people, you can become a CTA line manager too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something to work towards once you get past the senior CTA level. I've seen people do that. Okay. Um, yeah, I like CTA. And some of the other like regulatory coordinator and st- site study startup, that's something I really haven't talked a lot about, but those are definitely opportunities there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like CTA is probably the most common out there, right? Right. Yeah. Initially, CTA is probably the most common. And I've, I've seen some people go more into the financial part of it, too, um, and working with like contracts and budgets with site. Um, but not a lot of people do that. Um, most of the people want to become a CRA um, or regulatory, in my um, opinion. OK. T, do you see that question that popped up or no, you can't see that on your view? What's my dream research job? Yeah, you see that? I'm going to show it to the live. Um, yes, I can see it. Yeah, so clinical research maven asked T, what's your dream research job? So uh, thank you, clinical research maven, for the uh, for the question. And yeah, you came in on my last live, so shout out to you. Uh, go ahead, T, what do, you, what do you have to say to that? It's actually a good question because my line manager asked me this question last week of my one-on-one. He's like, Terrence, what do you want to do in the next couple of years? And honestly, right now, I love the CRA role. I love being able to essentially create my own schedule outside of like my team meetings with whatever um, protocols I'm working on and being able to travel. And so my day is not the same every single day, which is what I hated when I was working in the lab. I just came in and clocked in. It was an easy job, but it wasn't rewarding to me. And so I like the feeling of leaving the house, getting dressed up and like feeling like I'm somebody and making um, a difference in the world. And it sounds like so like cliche and stuff, but it actually makes you like want to do your like your job and you like you love it um, in a sense. And so for right now, my goal, I am a level two CRA. Um, and so I still want to become that senior CRA right now and then maybe build off of that. Um, I'm not sure if I want to become a clinical research manager where I'm managing a, a study myself yet. Um, 
because I don't know, a lot of those managers seem so burnt out um, mm -hmm. and they're always stressed out as well because they have so many um, people from the top um, hitting them with these metrics and timelines. Um, and so right now I just, I just love the CRA role. Um, and I would just do that until I'm, I'm burnt out or I potentially have a family one day and need to stay at home versus traveling all over the place. Okay. Well, I think one of the good things you brought up during that was flexibility and I guess the freedom. Can you expound a little bit more about what do you mean by flexibility? Uh, when you say the CRA job is flexible and creating your own schedule. So what do you mean? Yeah. So for my, my studies, they have um, what we call a site monitoring plan. And within that plan, you have um, guidelines on when you need to go to the site. And so some site visits request, um, say if I'm just in initial, like the site just started up, they screened their first patient. Um, you need to go there within two weeks of that patient being screened. Um, and then you have subsequent visits after that. And usually they're around like eight eight week intervals. And so within that eight week intervals, you can work with the site to create that on-site visit anytime pretty much. And so you have that flexibility to say, I wanna travel on this Tuesday. Um, and then you can work, work within that for all your studies. And so if you want to load up um, two weeks of you just being on site and traveling nonstop, you can. If you want to spread out that those visits within a month, you can. And it gives you that flexibility. You don't have to feel like you're traveling all the time. Um, you can you can work um, as much as you want, in a sense. Um, and you're just in control of that site visits. Like my manager doesn't really know. He gives me that um, that flexibility that I'm in control of going on site and completing my visits. And they just know that the, everything that needs to be done is being done by that monitoring plan or within that, that plan itself. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. Um, now let's talk about flexibility, like within the day, like, okay. do you have to sit at your desk all day and, and look at emails? Like what's, what's your flexibility like? Like, what are you allowed to do um, throughout your day? And I think this, you kind of compared and contrast this probably without realizing it to the project managers or like any of the people in the managerial level, like they can't, they don't have that same level of flexibility as a CRA within a day. So right. what do you have to say to that? Um, a lot of the managers, they have meetings like all day and they're on calls all day because they're working with so many different people that they have to communicate in that way. As a CRA, uh, we typically have um weekly or monthly meetings depending on what study you're working on and so my day like for today uh, for instance i had two calls which i knew i had to um, complete and one was just a regular monthly call with updates for my study and the other one was working uh, with the site and we just were doing a recruiting call to see what we can help um, do to help the site um, screen and find patients and so outside of that, I'm really working on um, just objectives um, with my site, um, reviewing and making sure that they are answering queries within the right time, um, scheduling visits, um, doing just daily um, general activities, um, like expense reports and completing uh, my visit reports uh, throughout the week. But 
I'm doing, there's no like set timelines on when I need to do that throughout the day. So you have flexibility. You can wake up at 6 a.m. and work for a couple of hours and then go to the gym, uh, do what you want to do, go get coffee with a friend, come back, take a meeting. And then you have flexibility at lunch. You want to meet someone, you can do that. Um, it's all in like what you think you can handle. And um, some people are better at time management than others. But if you're really good and you can get your work done, you can pretty much do whatever you want. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> bad to say, but you have that flexibility where if you want to do something throughout the day, as long as you get your work done, you can kind of do it. Right. And some days are more are better for that than others. Right. I mean, some days I've worked until like 10 p.m. at night, too, just because I had like a lot of things do like at a certain time. Like I maybe I had three to four vis visits back to back and then my monitor visit reports uh, got caught up. And so I need to make sure I do with those by the, the deadline. And so I might have to do extra work one day of the week. Um, but yeah, um, there's tons of flexibility. Solid in how you manage it, um, for sure. So, are are there days where you do like very little work? Yeah, there are some days where, um, like last week, I didn't have any visits throughout the whole week, and so I essentially did my timesheet. Um, I did expense reports, um, and just try to work through emails, organize those, make sure I'm caught up on everything. And yeah, it was a it's a slow week. I didn't do uh, too much. Okay. Uh, guys, drop your questions in the chat. That was a good question, Clinical Research Maven. And I, we kind of veered off onto some other things because I thought what T was talking about was pretty interesting. So I wanted to get his take on a couple things there. But if you guys are listening, drop your questions in the chat. Um, okay. So we talked about how much work you do. Um, and I guess your studies have been pretty consistent throughout the pandemic, but when the pandemic first hit, um, what was kind of going through your mind? Because obviously we knew travel was going to get shut down or, and eventually it did. Um, what was kind of going through your mind when the pandemic first hit as a CRA? Um, when it first hit, I didn't really know how it would affect, um, my studies, I do work on an actual COVID trial for my sponsor. And so I got extremely busy when that happened because it was all guns blazing. Every sponsor was racing to get their drug out first. And so um, that was like the fastest startup initiation phase I've seen. Um, and so I got selected to be a part of that study and it seemed like nothing slowed down. It seemed like everything was just, um, consistent throughout the pandemic um for sure the one thing that hit me hard was the travel bans and not being able to go on sites because some of my sites were small and they weren't up to date on doing everything electronically they didn't have that database set up they didn't have any of the vendors to support um, remote monitoring and so i'm working through the kinks of performing those visits remotely uh, was a challenge for a lot of my sites um, and for me as well. Um, and so that was probably the biggest hurdle that I faced throughout the pandemic, just those changes um, with the remote monitoring aspect. Um, I've gotten better with it now. Um, and the sponsor as a whole 
we kind of take on the risk-based monitoring now, um, which I think a lot of people have done too, just to alleviate some of that work uh, with remote monitoring. Um, but yeah, everything else, I feel like nothing really changed. Um, I don't know if that was the same for you and what you've seen, um, but it was full guns blazing for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I remember when the pandemic first hit, I knew we weren't gonna be traveling at some point. Um, and then the, the, the visits just started dropping like flies. I think it within a matter of a couple of days, all the visits were off my calendar. Um, and then we had to come out with new processes and protocols for how to remote, because um, we were in a closeout phase. So we had to come out with a way to remotely close out these uh, sites. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's basically what we did. All of 2020 was closed down my study. Um, did you feel like you had a lot more work, like busy work? That's kind of how I felt. Like I felt there was a lot more tracking. Um, so, okay, I'm, let's pause on the remote monitoring talk. I'm going to come back to you on that in a second. Okay. Brooklyn Queen has asked a question, um, just because I know we're going to get into a, a longer discussion on remote monitoring here. Um, but Brooklyn Queen has asked, I'm not sure if you answered, but what are your thoughts about contract work? So Terrence, um, give us your take on contract work. I think just any contract work, CTA, CRA, just in general, whatever. Um, I think contract work is good initially if you're just trying to get in the door. I feel like you should take the first thing that pops up, um, even if it's working directly for someone versus being a contractor. Um, of course, it is not as stable as a full-time position, um, but most likely with all of the demands, there's really a big demand for my position as a CRA, and I'm sure as a CTA, um, there's that same demand. Um, I don't see there's being a, like an issue or downfall um, with being a contractor versus working directly for a sponsor or a CRO. Um, and most of the contractors make a little bit more money too versus um, regular positions um, because you do have uh, less security in a sense. So they like to compensate you for that. Um, but I do ideally long-term would love to work directly for um, a sponsor. I feel like that's the ultimate goal. Um, and so I, when I speak to other people that work for CROs and I work directly for a sponsor and we kind of compare the benefits and stuff, I feel like um, full-time sponsors a lot better than contract work. But the one thing that I do like about contracts is that you have that flexibility um, and you can take on contracts whenever you want to. So if you want to do a part-time contract for a year or um, even less than that, you can do so and then kind of bounce around um, and get into different um, indications quicker. Um, and so that's kind of what I feel about it. I don't know, if ECRG, if you want to add some more to that. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So we have, we have five people in the chat right now. So put your questions in the chat. Clinical Research Maven, I see your other question too. We're going to get with you in a second. Um, so we ha we've had six, now we're down to five. So uh, let's see if we can get this thing up. Anyway, yeah, guys, if you're in the chat, go ahead and like the video and um, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. But go ahead and like it. That's going to help us in the algorithm, help more people see us, um, see we're spreading the good word here. Um, yeah, contract work. Guys, I got my start on a contract, and I've told this story many times on the channel. 
I was making like $12 an hour. It was a, a three-month contract, and those contracts go by fast. But that's how I got my start in the industry. And um, of course, you're going in with the idea of getting experience, putting it on your resume, and then hopefully uh, taking that and parlaying it into either a longer contract or a full-time position. So, you know, I like contract work for getting your start because you gotta, you kind of gotta get the experience however you can. And um, that definitely helps out a lot when looking for a job after the fact. It was like night and day applying with no experience versus applying with clinical research experience. You get a lot more callbacks when you have clinical research experience. So um, as far as getting in the industry, contracts are great if that's what you got to do. I've never been a contract CRA before, so I can't really speak to it like that. But I do know that people can work multiple at one time which is good for, you know, making money and, um, you know, you don't get the benefits, but you know, if you can imagine a CRA, I don't know how much they make. How much have you seen the contracts for T? I've for, seen some for up to like $50 an hour, 50 an hour. Mm-hmm. I feel like but, I've seen more than that. Higher than really? This. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. For like seniors, I guess if yeah, you have a lot of experience, yeah, you can pretty much make your own price at that point. Maybe I've seen 70. I don't know. But 50 an hour is still pretty good. Uh, Yeah, I think I've definitely seen more than 50 an hour. Um, But anyway, I mean, as a contractor, you're getting paid door to door. So as soon as you leave your house to when you get back, you're getting paid hourly. So even if it's 50, that's still a lot of money uh, at the end of the trip. Um, I guess the downside is like right now I'm in a lull in my studies. So I'm not really doing a lot of work. Um, There's days I send like two emails right now. Um, and that's it. Um, and, you know, if you're a contractor, you're not going to be getting paid that whole day or the whole week if that's all you're doing. So there's kind of, you know, ups and downs with it, too. But of course, it's great. And especially it's great if you can um, add it on to a full time job, too, because people do work part time contracts uh, and or full time contracts as well. So that's also great. Um, So we got six people in the chat. Guys, drop your questions in the chat below. Don't forget to like the video. Um, Yeah. So clinical research. Yeah, a new question. Yeah. Clinical research maven has asked, um, what's a good productivity tool for monitoring sites? Uh, T, what kind of tools do you use when you're on the road and traveling and stuff? So... me working for a sponsor, we have a lot of things that are streamlined um, and how they want us to monitor. Um, and so we have trackers for each um, protocol. And essentially in that tracker, you're pretty much tracking everything from training um, to how many subjects are screened. You're tracking their subject visits and the calculation of when they need to be within that window. Um, and so I think having um, some type of excel sheet just to track everything and have it all in one place is is good um so you're not scrambling um trying to find something because you always want to think about what if the fda comes at this day are you ready to show everything um you know where everything is at at the at that time and moment and you can um, confidently say that you're on top of things you know what's going on at the site and so having a um, excel sheet to track um, IRB approvals and just everything that encompasses what you do as a monitor 
um, in one place that that helps me a lot. A lot of people use Excel. A lot of people use OneNote now too, uh, because you can make checklists within OneNote um, as well. And so my company likes to use um, all of the Microsoft tools. Um, and so we use Microsoft Teams, and you can share files that way and make calendar invites. I think having everything all in one program helps a lot too. Um, but definitely a, a basic tracker within Excel is a must just to keep everything um, neat and clean. And then when you're having meetings with your your line managers, you can easily share that with them and they can kind of see what you're doing and um, you can provide that information quickly. Okay. So yeah, everyone uses Excel trackers. That's pretty much standard across the industry, I would say. Um, and then I don't know if you, did you touch on EDC system, CTMS, trial, master file? What kind of programs are you using for that? And we got eight people in the chat right now, so we really cooking. Let's go ahead, T. Uh, for EDC, I use Inform. Um, I think that's pretty much the industry standard too. Um, Inform EDC, is very, yeah, it's very popular. <laughs> over over metadata rave. Yeah, for me, yeah. Okay, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Inform, which I like it. I think it's a very um, simple system to learn. I feel like if you can do anything. Um, in Excel, you can do anything in Inform. It's pretty straightforward. Um, and there's tons of tools within the program to show you how to navigate um, with all the guides available. Um, for um, regulatory uh, documentation, we use Viva Vault. Okay. Um, which I like. Viva Vault has very, um, they expanded their um, possibilities too. So Viva Vault has a program now where the site can essentially have an e regulatory binder in Viva Vault too, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the sites like that. It's a there's a it's, lot of like initial growing pains with the site just figuring out how to work it. But once it you figure that, it is such a clean process when you're going on site and monitoring because you can do a lot of that stuff remotely now. Isn't it free? Isn't it free for sites? It is. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the great things about it. Um, we just added it ourselves, so. Yeah. yeah, and that way you can create tasks within there. Um, say you need um, a protocol signature page signed. You just had a new protocol amendment come out, um, and that requires the signature from the principal investigator. You can create a task within that program, um, which essentially gives them a notification that that document needs to be signed and re-uploaded. And so I like um, that a lot of the things have become um, more streamlined. Um, and yeah. I'm trying to think what other systems do I use on a daily basis? Did you say um, uh, your your trial master file? Oh, you said Viva? Yeah, Viva Vault for that. And then our so, clinical trial management system, we use Spectrum. I'm not sure if you've heard of that program. No, we use BioClinica. But okay. OK, let's go back to this Viva Vault thing. So you said you guys have a TMF in Viva Vault as well as the site can use it as their regulatory binder? That's correct, yes. So is it like? Does does one side communicate to the other side? Like, does it um, automatically go into the like if they upload something to the ereg side? Does it automatically go to the TMF side, or is it just one folder? Um, it automatically transfers. Um, of course, with your uh, approval, you will have to. Um, they can't can't just upload any document. It's gonna file directly into the binders. You yourself will have to um, guide that. 
um, and essentially create a workflow so that process will be completed. But they do talk in a sense, you just kind of have to help them move along. Okay, thank you for that. Because I think that's probably the future. And I think the future is going to be less friction in that process. It's probably going to be like they upload a CV or something and the AI will read the document and determine where it will go in the TMF. Correct. So no, no, so there will be very minimal review. Correct. Yes. And um, also um, my sponsor is part of what you call the shared investigator platform. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of sponsors have adopted and um, joined this, this platform. And that essentially is going to long-term create less work for sites, especially in startups. So if say you requested a CV from site staff, they upload it into the system for my sponsor. The other sponsors will have access to that too. So when they're starting up, the site doesn't have to do extra work. They don't have to re-upload that for every single study and protocol that they're on. They can just do it one time. Yep, yep. And so that's gonna be a really good game changer moving forward, just to help with the, the long times of the startup and initiating sites. And um, for us, everything's can, gonna be completed within that platform. You don't have to do anything else for the site. So they can complete their training via that platform. They can upload documents via that platform. Um, they will receive um, notifications, um, like study notifications on like updates with enrollment um, and anything else um, all within one platform. And I think that helps the site out a ton, just having everything all in one place. Right, okay. And you know what's crazy? I'm not even scared about that because, you know, there's still so much work to do as a CRA uh, rather than upload documents. That's not even really our main job anyway. Right. Um, okay, cool. So thanks for going into that. Um, real quick, though. All right, we got two more questions, but real quick, though. Um, what kind of apps and tools do you use to manage travel and everything else? not directly clinically clinical research related on the road. Mm. Like I'm talking your Hilton app, like what stuff are you using? Um, so I'm definitely a uh, team Hilton. <laughs> so I have uh, those apps for sure on um, the Hilton app. Uh, I love flying Delta. So I have that app, of course, and Hertz. Those are like my trifecta in terms of who I use. Um, we have a system in place where we can only um, book our flights and hotels via all one system. And so it kind of helps us keep everything organized. We don't book any, anything on our own. We have to go through our own portal. And so that, in a sense, helps me track everything. We right. do have some apps that help with travel. They send notifications. Um, it's kind of just a industry um well, in-house travel app, but I don't really use that as much. I don't see it as being beneficial because I can track everything within my own hotels and airline apps myself. Okay, good deal. I use those same trifecta as well. Hilton, Delta, Hertz. Yep. Um, and so you, ha you have a car. Can you talk about your car? Yeah, so quick? I, <laughs> <laughs> I do have a car, which is uncommon that I'm hearing from a lot of CROs, of course, and sponsors, um, because my sponsor, they really 
um, advocate for you not being able, not traveling everywhere around the world. Like if you live on the East Coast, they don't want you traveling all over to the Midwest and um, West Coast. Um, they want you to kind of stay within, within your region. Um, they see that as being more beneficial. So um, everyone is kind of regionally aligned in that sense. And so I have a company car and I love it. I don't have to pay for any insurance. I don't have to pay for any gas. Um, and I actually sold my own personal car because why have that when I can use the company car for my own personal use? So that, in a sense, saves me a ton of money, especially with the inflated gas prices now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's becoming it's coming way more of an asset um, and a great benefit um, for sure. Um, but yeah, if you can definitely find a place that has a company car, I would definitely take it. Um, it's worth more than the extra 10K that you can get from another um, company, um, in my opinion. Just that extra perk um, goes a long way. Right. Right. And I, yeah, now you fully bought into the company car. I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. Animesh has a question. Let's go ahead and answer that one. So Animesh asks, would you switch away from CRA slash CRO field? Let's say you get the chance to land a job at a pharma company, uh, which you met during uh, the site. So I think they're asking, would you go to a pharmaceutical company or uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I work for a big pharma company now. So I'm assuming that he's maybe saying something more small. Um, it's more like a startup. Where you I don't think that was clear. That a you lot more. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to say that or not. So I didn't push you. I don't think that was clear that you, okay. what kind of company you work for right now. Yes, I work for a big pharma or sponsor company. Um, and so I think that is the ultimate goal because you have... Um, less lines of communication. So I'm working directly with the clinical scientists who de develop the protocol so I can ask them questions. Data management can send me an email directly. I can talk to them via chat. And so I feel like when you work for a CRO, um, it's kind of hard to get answers um, for certain questions. It takes a lot more time to get feedback. There's a middleman and you don't always feel included. Um, I feel like when you work directly for a pharma company, your opinion matters. Um, when Whatever um, processes or new apps that the sponsor wants to develop, they're asking the CRAs directly, what helps you um, in your day-to-day? -day? What's going to change their company um, in your eyes? And I feel like you have a lot more input, input versus working for a CRO, um, where I feel like you're kind of just um, a minion in a sense, like you're the worker bee. Um, and they just want you to meet those metrics. Um, and so if I was working for CRO, I would definitely switch away eventually. Um, but this is the one point I would wait until I have a couple of years. I would bounce around after like two years, my first year, I would bounce to another one before bouncing to the ultimate sponsor of pharma company because that's where you want to end and land. So you want to make as much money as you can before jumping to that pharma company. So you want to go there as a senior CRA. Um, and a lot of pharma companies themselves, they don't like taking on new CRAs that are fresh anyways. They want more experienced people. So definitely, um, if you can, go to two CROs, bounce around, make that money, get that senior CRA position, and then go to it a pharma sponsor company. Yeah, I could not agree more 
with with that um because sponsors also take could they can take a little bit longer to promote well they definitely take longer to promote than uh CROs cuz CROs promote every year so um it's sponsors can take a little bit longer so yeah you definitely want to go when you're at the top of the pay bracket and they pay well too at the sponsor side um so thanks for clarifying that now let's ask the flip question would you go from working for a sponsor to a CRO no i can't and i um one of my friends asked me the other day um because i have tons of recruiters that call me and it's funny when i was a c uh, cta uh, or, or my first year in the CRA, I would get no calls, but now I get calls like every <laughs> every single day. It seems like uh-huh. um, with different they text companies, now too. Yeah, different companies poaching me, but I just don't see the the benefit for me personally going back into the CRA. I mean, CRO um, field. Um, essentially, I mean, I have that company car. I have tons of benefits um, that aren't comparable to uh, what the CRO is offering for me, at least what I've heard. They, of course, will give me more money, um, but you just have to think about your work-life balance too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reaching out to those CRAs on LinkedIn and seeing how they like the company um, and self and seeing if they're burnt out and what they think about it um, before taking that leap. And I just haven't found a place that um, is better than my um, current position now. So I can't really say that I... Uh-oh, you went quiet. You still there, T? Uh-oh, I hope his phone didn't die. T, you still there? Me? Oh, we can hear you he now. You. Yeah, we can hear you. I cut out for a second. Yeah, you cut out. You back now. Um, did you finish that thought, or will you have something else to say? Oh, did you cut out again? All right, we hear him now. You back? You back, T? All right, maybe his phone died. All right, so we'll let him get himself together. Um. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, especially with the this, the pharmaceutical to CRO thing. I mean, more money. They've, they've been offered more money for a long time now, but they tend to kind of run you into the ground. Um, like, because, because of the way their business model is set up, they don't get paid unless the CRA is on the road, really. And that means they're going to put you on the road every week for sure, sometimes multiple times a week. So... When T was talking about the work-life balance, um, the balance is has the potential to be way off for a CRO. And I remember filling out those timesheets, and they don't. If you start having to put like you're not working, or you're doing a lot of training, or you know things that you're not necessarily supposed to be doing as a CRA, they are definitely. Oh, did he mute himself? They are definitely going to, um, you know, question that. T, you're on mute. Are you back? Uh, looks like he's back. T, are you back? Oh, he had to get out and come back. All right, so we'll let him get his get his self together. Um, guys, drop your questions in the chat. 
I'm going to take this time to go ahead and talk to you guys about the resume review program. We have that going on if you're interested. A um, few different options. So just email me, eliteclinicalgroup at gmail.com if you're interested. T's coming back now. Um, oh, let me add them. Can you hear stream. me now? Yep, you're back. Okay. Yeah, someone gave me a call and it kicked me out of the stream yard for some reason. Ah, all right. Um, T, how much longer you have? We've been on stream 48 minutes. I got I, I definitely want to talk remote monitoring with you, and we have a couple more questions, so we can we can cut it at um in about 12, 15 minutes. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine with me. All right. Um, yeah. So when you were gone, I was just basically piggybacking on what you said about working for a CRO versus sponsor, um, and the work life balance. I think is key because even though they pay more money, um. Just them the, are notorious for running you into the ground every Correct. week in and week out. And I don't want that, even if it's more money. You know, that's not really worth it to me. Um, so, I mean, how, how do you feel? Do you feel stressed? Like, how, how do you feel week in and week out being a CRA? No, I don't feel stressed at all. Um, I don't have – I have a full workload. So I have about, I want to say um, – 13 sites currently right now with uh, four different studies or protocols. Um, but I feel like I'm able to ma manage it too. And I feel like just being upfront with your manager sometimes helps a lot too. And I feel like a lot of CRAs, when the manager comes to them, they're like, can you handle this? A lot of them just automatically say yes, um, because it, they don't want to look bad that they're not able or capable of doing more work. I feel like that can easily put you in the hole um, and so I think being up front um, and saying and knowing what you can and cannot manage um, will help out a lot. But I don't feel stressed. Like I don't when I go into Monday or the beginning of the week, I don't dread my job. I kind of love it, you know, in a sense. I like looking forward to my next visits and traveling and working with um, different site staff. Um, so I can say I don't feel extremely stressed or overworked. Okay. I want to get into some of your favorite sites. Uh, let's answer some questions first. Um, and then we still got to talk remote monitoring. Um, all right. So let's answer this one. Al Dog asks, which position, let me show it here, which position offers more freedom slash harder, easier uh, for zero experience in research? CTC financial versus CTC clinical. Um, I don't, I don't know what he's asking about the CTC financial part, I guess that's a clinical trial coordinator versus clinical trial coordinator for clinical. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just take an, an assumption and saying that the financial part is more contracts and budget, which okay can be harder because I've seen some negotiations take a long time with sites going back and forth. Um, they can't, um, agree on a number um and so that can become i guess a little bit frustrating just the back and forth um but i feel like what would be more rewarding is the ctc clinical because you're going to get more um of a baseline with more broad information versus just the financial part and so i don't i'm not sure what the ultimate goal or what position you want to get in the end but i feel like the clinical would be better um i can't necessarily say it would be easier because 
Honestly, it depends on if you're working for a CRO, it depends on what sponsor you're supporting. Some are going to be um, a lot busier than others. Uh, some are going to have a lot tighter timelines than others. Um, and so it's kind of the look of the draw when you're working with a CRO and seeing who you are uh, working with as a sponsor. Um, and so, yeah, I can't really answer that question um, directly because I don't know what the goal is, the end goal is, but um, I would definitely say clinical would be more rewarding. Yeah, I, I would definitely look at what you're trying to do, Al Dog, and um, <laughs> I would look at what you're trying to do, Al Dog, and uh, see which which position will line you up with where you're trying to go uh, the best. Um, and so if you're obviously trying to go down clinical pathway, you want to look at the more clinical role. Um, so, yeah, but also if you're talking about at the site level as a clinical study coordinator, clinical trial coordinator, a lot of them do the financials as well as the clinical stuff. Like they do all of it. Uh, so you should get that experience, too, if you're if you're working at the site level. Um, do you see Al Dog's response? He said, uh, thank you. Hopefully, Merck. I hear Merck is a good sponsor to work for. So, yeah, I've I hope heard that was for you too, Alex. Though, um, next question: Brooklyn Queen asks, "What about other roles like CTM? Would you consider a child um, manager?" Yeah, Brooklyn Queen, could you drop uh, what your current role is in the chat, or what you're trying to do if you're trying to get into research? What's your current role? Drop that in the chat. All right, go ahead, T. What do you think? Um, I think I would consider it maybe like five years from now. Um, just maybe if I get bored in the CRA role and I want to do um, more or just take on more. Um, but I know that comes with like a huge workload. The clinical trial managers um, are extremely busy. And so for me, I like the flexibility, as I mentioned earlier, in the CRA role, creating my own schedule and not feeling like I'm just on work calls all day. Um, I can't leave the house if I want to. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I want to be able to make as much money as I can with doing the least amount of work. And that, you know, that might sound bad, um, but I feel like that's kind of everyone's ultimate goal. Like they want to work for, they don't want to be overworked. You know, you want to feel like you're compensated for what you get. And I feel like some of the, clinical trial managers work extremely too hard. Because I, I, I receive emails at 11 o'clock at night from my clinical trial managers. Um, and I don't want to be up working like that every single day. So that's the, my only, like I guess, bad thing to say about it. Um, but if you want to climb that corporate ladder, I would go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's going to put you in the best position if you want to become like a director one day for um, a company. Um, I guess it all depends on like what you what you want, and yeah. um, you got to think about the work life balance and having a family too. Um, there's a lot of things that you would kind of have to consider. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They're CRAs, and then they get a family or something. They start having kids, and then they go on to be uh, CTM, uh, project managers, CTMs mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but also you're right. You, you kind of have to do that to climb the ladder. Um, because that is kind of the next role. 
And then because after you're a project manager and you're managing, managing one or two studies, then you're like a director and you might be managing, you know, from a top view, like five, six, seven, eight studies. Right. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have to do that. Um, all right, T, I want to ask you these two questions. Animesh, we're going to get to your questions here, but I want to ask T his takes on these two issues first. Um, so give us a minute. So T, uh, we kind of talked about this pair like 20 minutes ago now. Um, remote monitoring, risk-based monitoring. And this kind of came up during the pandemic because I don't know about you guys, but we were 100% SDV before, <laughs> before the pandemic. So that means every data point has to be reviewed uh, by a CRA on site. They have to actually physically look at the source. But obviously during the pandemic, we couldn't go on site as much as we would have liked um, and for everyone's safety. Um, so what was your take on remote monitoring, uh, I guess, before the pandemic and during the pandemic? Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of remote monitoring. Like, as I mentioned earlier, some of my sites are very old and traditional. Um, so it was a lot of growing pains trying to work through that process. Um, I even had one site where I had to literally, um, they had to show the document via WebEx, um, like each page, she literally held up the page and so I can source dot verify it. And it was the most like painful experience and it took like hours when if I was on site, it would take me maybe 30 minutes to review. And so having that experience kind of just, I don't know, made me not really want to do remote monitoring. But if you have a site that's like proficient, they have a vendor that supports um, the system and they can easily upload documents and share them with you, um, remote monitoring is a breeze. Um, and I think that's the way the industry is moving um, as well. And so I feel like once you adapt that that process, it's going to make a lot of things easier. And in terms of risk-based monitoring, which essentially is you don't have to SDV or source.review every single subject. Um, you just do maybe all the odd subjects or even numbers of subjects. Um, I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, because you're doing less work. It does right. feel a little weird that you're not reviewing every single data point. Um, just the critical ones that the study team has identified that is critical for the, the data. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like that, you know, just doing less work. Um, and yeah, I can't see any like causes. I haven't had any sites that um, were doing risk-based monitoring that needed to go back to full SDV because you found some issues at the site. So I think a lot of the sites like it too. Um, so yeah, I think it's overall a good change. Right. So uh, piggybacking off of that, I, I like risk-based monitoring too. And I think we have the similar opinions on remote. I can't stand it. Especially if most, most sites aren't really built for it. I mean, more are probably built for it now, but definitely in the beginning of the pandemic, they just weren't built for it. Um, but so... I mean, what if the job became 100% remote monitoring? I mean, would you would you like being a CRA as much? Um, honestly, I probably wouldn't. Um, just staying at home um, and not being able to travel. I feel like that's one of the biggest um, perks is traveling and collecting those points that you can use for your personal um, travel in life. Collecting that hotel points, you know. Um, and I think if you take that away, 
it's really just a a CTA job. You're kind of yeah. just, you know, <laughs> monitoring from home and you're just doing that in-house CRA job. And um, I don't know if they would change the compensation for that as well, since you're not taking on um, more traveling. But I don't think you can take away going on site and verifying um, the things you need to. I feel like at some point you have to physically go there and expect the drug and like see if the PI is overseeing um, the site correctly. I feel like you need to go there at least at one point in time in the study to see if like that site is adequate and they're, they are conducting the protocol like they should be. Um, so I don't think it'll ever get to a point where it's completely 100% remote, but um, maybe like an 80-20 thing I can see happening, uh, which I, I could get down with. You know, just doing that within the last year and a half with the pandemic, um, it was an adjustment, but um, we got through it. And, you know, I can't complain too much. Right. Oh, we got a big, um, all right, Dan's fair is in the building. Shout out the clinical trials guru. Um, and Dan, I actually, I definitely want to get you here on a live stream. I've actually been inspired by you uh, to do this. Um, so yeah, we should definitely link up here pretty soon in the next, uh, few weeks if you've got time. Um, so we're going to jump, sorry, Adam, Ash, I gotta, I gotta show love to Dan. Um, so Dan asked best cities to eat pre COVID versus post COVID. What do you think T best cities to eat? Um, I'll go first. Cause I I got my I got my list. Right. Um, um, so my favorite city is definitely Charleston, South Carolina, one okay. of the best foods that you can get <laughs> um, around town. So um, anywhere on the water, that's my go-to. Um, just with the view, um, a nice um, steak or you know some shrimp. Okay, so you got your best one. All right, um, I got a. Uh oh, Terrence Terrence is gone. Someone must have called him. Um, so I'll go. My first top three, and this is pre, during COVID, post COVID, it's just any time. Number one is New York City because it's kind of like a cheat code. It's got everything. Um, number two, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Oh, here's T. He's back. Um, and then number three is New Orleans. Oh, let me add him to the stream. I keep forgetting to do that. T, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. I've never actually been to New Orleans. That's one of the places on my list, but I'm sure it's a great food. Yeah, so that's my top three uh, anytime of any time. Uh, thanks, Dan, for the question. Um, all right. So let's go back to Animesh and answer his question. Yeah, Dan says New Orleans is great. Yeah, New Orleans got incredible food. Um, and Charleston does too. Charles, Charleston would definitely probably be number four on my list, actually. Really? Okay. Uh, it'll be between there and Nashville. Um, yeah, I'd have to think about that, which one. I've only been to Charleston once for work, but I'm going to be going there in the next uh, month or so because they're about to enroll a subject. So I can give more on that next time. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and answer Animesh's question, and then we'll wrap up for the evening um, because we've been on here an hour already. So, T, for the last question of the night, what's your both personal opinion about getting an MBA degree? Not needed for CRA field, but just curious to know if y'all would pursue one and if it opens doors in this field. What do you think, T? So, I've 
I've actually thought about this question because um, I've had friends that are contemplating getting the MBA degree because a lot of people are saying it's not what it was a decade ago. Um, and a lot of people think it's not needed. Of course, with just outside of the clinical research field, you can start a business by yourself. There's so much documentation and access on YouTube. You can find the tools um, for whatever specific like, need you need like online, like there's unlimited access to data. And so I don't think you technically need the MBA degree um, unless you're going into like the corporate world and field where you're competing with other people that have it, you kind of need it to just to stay on their level um, because they might choose that person with a degree over you and say that's that was the reason that um, that's the out. So you don't want to be make that be the reason you, you wasn't chosen for a position. Um, and so if you want to become uh, like a line manager or um, a director, I feel like you definitely need the MBA degree, but anything under that, I don't feel like you need it, um, especially for like a senior CRA position. I don't think you need an MBA degree. Um, some people debate if you even need a master's degree in clinical research, um, if that even helps you. Um, and we can go on to like the ACRP stuff and that certification <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, a lot of people kind of agree and disagree on um, what you need. Um, I feel like if you get that initial experience, that's going to outweigh any degree that you have. The industry experience, like you doing your job, is going to outweigh that MBA degree as a whole in the clinical research field. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's just kind of what I've seen. Um, I've seen people at my sponsor that's been there for like 15 years um, don't have an MBA degree, but they've worked their way up. Um, just find someone that came in from Harvard with their business degree. So I don't know. What do you think, ECRG? Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. I've, for definitely project director and up, it might be beneficial. Um, I would definitely, if you're thinking about getting it, I would definitely uh, see if you can get in a position where the company will pay for it and you're Correct. not paying yeah. for it out of pocket because they are expensive. Um, but you guys know, I talk about this is a, this is a experience driven industry. So you can get really, really far um, in this industry without advanced degrees, um, you know, just a bachelor's degree. And I even know people that have associates degrees who are CRAs and make CRA money. So, um, you know, it's really an experience based industry. So you can get very, very far with just experience. And it's a who you know industry too. Um, everybody knows everybody. Um, yeah. So those the people that you're working with as a CTA now, when you become CRAs, they're going to be the one that's at the company that you may be trying to get to, and they're most likely going to help you uh, with the interview process. And you're just going to have to network. I feel like that's the biggest thing. Very good point. Uh, yes, because you never know where someone's going to be in two three years. They could be, they could be, you know, the person you're applying to go get a job from. So do not burn bridges at all because this is a small industry and you never know where someone could be. They could be below you. And then three, four, five years, they could be two levels above you just because of the way they, you know, work the system and their network. So do not burn bridges in this industry because it will come back to bite you um, one day. It can do it. Um, okay. Clinical Research Maven says Dan's fair is in the house. Yes, sir. We're going to get Dan on for a, a full live session. We're going we gonna to go ham. Um, and then 
Yeah, it's a wild, wild west industry. So T, um, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, how do how do you think it went? Do you like it? Do you like this? Okay, T's gone. Um, <laughs> I guess someone called him. I don't know. He getting a lot of phone calls tonight. Um, yeah, this was great, guys. Thank you for everyone who came in today, uh, tonight. Um, the last one got a lot of views too. So we had, we, I think we had nine was the, the most people we had. I'm trying to figure out the best time. So if you guys are in the chat, um, yeah, you guys gotta, you guys gotta let me know what times you prefer. I don't know, uh, what times everyone likes. Um, so, uh, you know, last time I tried 11 AM in the morning, Eastern time, this time I, I tried 7 PM Eastern time. So, um, yeah, so uh, we're still trying to figure it out what times people like. Um, uh, okay, he's back. Yeah, he's doing it on his phone. So every time he gets a call, T, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. I keep getting kicked out for some reason. Yeah, maybe next time we try on your um, computer, um, we get that situated. But anyway, uh, I was just thanking everybody for coming on, and I really appreciate Dan for showing love, and everyone else, Anna Mesh, who asked questions, Clinical Research Maven, uh, Brooklyn Queen, I see your comments below the videos, Al Dog, shout out to you. So thank you, everybody. Um, we'll do this again. Uh, maybe next week I'll do one, or the week after I'll do one. Um, but for sure, I'm getting... Um, we're gonna have some more guests come on here and we're going to ask more questions and stuff like that in a few weeks for sure. So, uh, thanks T, uh, for coming on and providing your insight. I really appreciate you brother. And, um, that's it. Y'all have a good night. Thanks Kev. Have a good night.